Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for August 17th, 2016. Today's topic is about coaching, and everybody wins when you give agents what they want. (laughs) Now, if you're listening live, I'd like to invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions, and the best way to do it is to email me directly. And my email is brian at benchmarkportal.com, spelled out B-R-I-A-N at benchmarkportal.com. Of course, I want to remind you all that uh, we have about five seasons of Call Talk on our website that you can go to, look through all the different topics, and decide what you want to listen to or download at a convenient time for you. And that's on our website at BenchmarkPortal.com. So let's go ahead and jump right into the show, and it's my pleasure to introduce the host, Bruce Belfiore. Well, thank you, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. We all know that frontline staff are a key to call center success, and a key to frontline success is supervisors that that are strong frontline leaders. Uh, A major study we did at Benchmark Portal on agent satisfaction a few years ago took the agent satisfaction survey results from over 5,000 agents in North America and found some interesting statistical results. It was crystal clear that the relationship between supervisors as first-level management, and agents has a huge impact on satisfaction and retention and ultimately on customer satisfaction because uh, happy agents make for happy customers. Well, coaching and development are an important component of those relationships, and that's why we wanted to talk more about training supervisors to coach differently today, and we brought in an expert on the topic for you, Barbara Burke. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Okay, great. Well, Barbara's recognized as an international expert and thought leader on creating customer-centric contact centers and specializes in enabling customer service organizations to focus on what's really important, the quality of the experience customers have with their frontline agents. She's the author of two popular business fables about life in the contact center. The first is called The Napkin, the Melon, and the Monkey, a great book. It's about how to be happy and successful by simply changing your mind. And the second is The Monkey, the Moon, and Maybe. <laughs> so, how to embrace change and live fearlessly. Her popular newsletter, Monday Aha, Sage Advice for Customer Service Leaders, has over 2,500 subscribers worldwide. So, Barbara has really made an impact on our industry. Her extensive client list includes Target, Microsoft, Estee Lauder. Procter & Gamble, Cox Communications, Verizon, Georgia Power, and Time Warner, along with many others. She's also now with the Benchmark Portal team as an instructor for Supervisor and other courses. So, Barbara, first of all, congratulations on your 30th year as a contact center consultant, trainer, and author. That's really quite an accomplishment. Well, thank you. It's hard to believe that time went so quickly. You know, back when I first started in 1986, you know, inbound contact centers were really not existent. And over the years, we've found that uh, the technology has helped us really focus on call handling efficiency. But, you know, what I've noticed along the way is that we've become very enamored with uh, the call handling efficiency, and now we're finding there's a real trend of shifting over to focusing on the customer experience, and that's why I believe that supervisors are so crucial to making that work in a contact center. 
they're absolutely key. And I would agree that it's even more important today to give customers a positive service experience because oftentimes it's that experience that differentiates us from others. And, uh, you know, we still need to have good technology, obviously, to handle calls efficiency. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think the uh, the efficiency provided by doing business online has really helped customers uh, utilize services. But you know, uh, when calls do come into the contact center, and believe me, most people don't want to call the contact center. It's kind of a last resort if they can't find what they need on the web or can't get get their issue handled through the IVR. Uh, it is really that that experience the customer has with uh, with the service rep that makes all the difference. And so we're finding that there's a lot more complexity to those calls, which requires a different kind of an agent, one that can really problem solve. And it ends up to be a pretty uh, pretty key part of doing business and building a brand. Mm, Barbara, oh, absolutely. Can I interrupt, guys? Sorry. Uh, um, I have two questions for you, Barbara. Um, we'll ask the second one later about the monkey. But the first one is, <laughs> I, I think you were, uh, your microphone is really hot today, so if you wouldn't mind backing off just a little bit, we're getting the Darth Vader sound. Okay. I'll move the uh, Okay, thanks, guys. Mouthpiece. Continue on. Is this a little bit better? Darth Vader. Perfect. Wow, okay. The brief, yeah. <laughs> That's good, yeah. Okay, okay sorry good. Back to the stars. No, we'll go back to the stars, back to the universe. Okay, that, well, you know, what you just talked about, Barbara, really gives us good context for what we want to talk about today, which is the role of the supervisor and the role they play in creating that positive customer experience. Uh, your in, intentional coaching program is really designed to help supervisors be more effective coaches. And what makes it stand apart from traditional coaching training? Well, you know, I believe that the training process has come a long way since the days where we were really so numbers-oriented and transactions-oriented. And I think what intentional coaching does is to help supervisors key in on the ability to do real-time coaching. And it focuses more than anything on uh, revisiting what's the most important role of a supervisor, and that's to help their reps be successful, and the way that you do that is you need to be front and center for them. You need to be out on the floor working with them. And so what we find is after the training, intentional coaching, they learn how to be out on the floor. They learn how to um, communicate differently, i.e. having the rep take responsibility for uh, having a great uh, call in terms of the experience, not just the transaction. So that's that's probably the biggest thing that we talk about in training. And it's so interesting how uh, this common sense approach changes the metrics. And by that I mean when supervisors are out on the floor available to help their people, uh, the amount of escalated calls we've found goes down by 50%. So when the supervisor's there, ready to go, ready to help, that is really important. And then additionally, the handle times go down as well. And one client saved about $500,000 a year just by reducing handle times. And uh, so when the supervisor is out and about, then they're able to get right on the call and help the, help the rep and coach the rep through the call. So those are two well, huge well, things. 
Yeah, no, those are major. I mean, I, I think as you were talking about uh, being out there and really coaching the uh, agents on the fly, on the floor, uh, that it's the old, uh, you know, teaching someone to fish instead of giving them the fish and really bringing their competency up and making them feel more able to deal with things. And, in fact, they are more able to deal with things because they uh, get it from, you know, the supervisor and they're able to then pass that on. In fact, I, I can recall in uh, a talk that I gave up in your neck of the woods there in Minnesota, I suggested that uh, we change the name of supervisors to agent advocates. I mean, just think of the mental change that would come about if you walked into the the uh, uh, the center every day, and instead of being a supervisor, you were an agent advocate, and you were somebody who was trying to, you know, develop and mentor and uh, improve the skills uh, of the agents. So uh, I, I think those things that you're talking about are extremely important. And wow, the uh, the savings that you just cited are are tremendous. You know, I, I love what you said about the agent advocate, and uh, that's. That's one of the things that I've been working very hard on is trying to get supervisors out of that reactive firefighting mode and really be out there helping their reps be successful and letting them solve the problem so that the, so that the rep really has the confidence to make decisions and to use their empowerment uh, to the maximum effect of the customer. But when you have an environment and where people are so worried about uh, handle times and and their metrics, they they focus less on the customer experience. And so that's a huge shift when we do intentional coaching is getting the supervisor out there, helping the rep manage that call effectively and being available if they need it. But more importantly, and to your point, Bruce, is focusing on what's right, focusing on the many things that reps do that are right. You know, I think as human beings, our default is to always look for what's wrong. And that's certainly the case with supervisors. So if we can get supervisors to be out there uh, giving folks the kind of encouragement for doing more things right and acknowledging that, then those those kinds of behaviors will be encouraged. And so I, I, liked, I like your idea about about uh, being an agent advocate because that's that's crucially important. And, and again, that's a shift in mindset, isn't it, between transactions and customer centricity? Yes, absolutely. And it's sort of saying that there's a, a straight line between the uh, uh, supervisor and management and the agent and then the customer, and you're trying to have quality interactions all the way through so that it's uh, a happier place to be and ultimately a more profitable place to work. So the, um, you know, one of the things that came through on this study that we did, too, is that overall agents are very happy with the initial training that they get. Not everybody, but uh, if you look statistically, they're very happy with the uh, initial training they get. And then their um, satisfaction drops off precipitously from the transitional or nesting period onward with regard to that. And uh, we kind of linked that together with the fact that there are not very good, uh, in other words, kind of very middling, low to middling grades given on coaching in general. And um, my sense is that a, a center that adopts and embraces your approach uh, will, in fact, find that agents are more satisfied. There will be lower turnover, 
and they will in fact be better givers of service to the the, the customers uh, as yeah. a result of yeah. this methodology. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I absolutely absolutely agree. And to that point, uh, one of the mysteries I think that supervisors have is, you know, they want to get feedback from their reps about how well they're doing, you know, in terms of meeting those kinds of support needs or gap training that, that reps really want. And so we do uh, an engagement survey, it's just a 10-question survey at the beginning of the, of the training. And this gives the supervisors a real-time snapshot of how their people are feeling about the support that they're getting. Because if you were to ask, if you're a leader and you're asking um, someone who's reporting to you what they can do differently, you're not going to get much of an answer. But if you provide a confidential survey in which the reps can uh, can really share what they're thinking in terms of what the re what the supervisor can do differently. And you know, for those listeners out there, you might think about uh, doing something like that as a check-in for your supervisors, uh, so that they're accountable for what their reps really think about the level of support. And there's two questions, Bruce, that I just want to mention that that are key when we're doing this training. Uh, and the the ramp up to the training to help the supervisors understand what what they need to change. And one is what question is what are three things that your supervisor does that you would like them to continue to do specifically? And then three things that you'd like your supervisor to change, to stop doing or to start doing. So those three things, the three positives and then the three things that the supervisor could change, become their action items. So the supervisor then has what we call a three-by-three three, uh, summary of what they're going to work on. And then they take it one step further after the training. They meet with their, with their team and they say, you know, I'm so happy that you gave me this feedback. And here are three things that I'm going to work on, that I'm going to continue to do that you said you liked. And here's are three things that I'm going to really work on and try to do better at. And they oh. ask for the help and support of their team. And that is quite, quite amazing. And it gets the team to realize that, yep, we're all in this together. We're all growing and we're all learning. And my supervisor actually cares about making sure that my needs are met. Yeah, no, this is great. I love the three-by-three three, um, approach because it gives a framework in which uh, improvement can actually occur. Uh, affirmation is given because you get the three things that the supervisor does that you like. And uh, so it's really a, an excellent uh, developmental framework. I love that. And you know, I was thinking, too, that unfortunately we have a systems in, in place in many cases, in many places, that uh, you take the best reps and you make them – the supervisors, right? And you expect them to be good supervisors without additional training. And here you have people who, uh, you know, demonstrably are the linchpin of success in the call center. Uh, this is what our studies show. This is what our experience shows. These people are absolutely key to making sure that you have a successful, smooth-running, happy, uh, productive call center, right? Yep. And yet yep. the, uh, they are oftentimes the most training-starved uh, group in the whole call center. And, um, you know, that's something that I think a lot of managers need to think about, confront, and then act on so that they uh, do a better job in terms of giving their uh, supervisors the 
the techniques and the the uh, training really they need to do a better job. I, I think that's absolutely crucial, and then hold them accountable for uh, the the engagement of their reps. So every supervisor is in charge of a team, and they are responsible for making sure that those needs are met. And that also requires, as you pointed out, is that you have to be more proactive. You can't be reactive. You can't be in your office fielding escalated calls and and doing reports and going to meetings. You have to actually be out on the floor at least half of your day. And I like to see 70% of your day out on the floor. And that's not just sitting at a desk. That's walking around working with your team. And I think there's a lot of small things that supervisors can do, too, to connect. And one of the things I suggest all the time is that when you come in and you start your shift, go around and say hello to everybody. Just check in. Say, hey. Um, (laughs) The phrase that I like to use is, you know, just ask them, how's their dog? Um, anything that you can do to just be just be genuine and sincere and show that you care about that individual as a whole person, not just somebody who generates performance, but really, you know, the whole person, what, they, what they're interested in, and kind of check in with them. And we find that when supervisors do that one little thing, it really makes a huge difference in morale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes, too, particularly in those centers that allow agents to uh, put some personal things in their uh, cubicles, that in in effect, that is the agent calling out to the world to talk to him or her about those things that are on the pictures or, you know, up on the wall or whatever it happens to be. Uh, and so take that call, respond to it. Uh, they obviously have those things there because it's meaningful to them. And if it also becomes meaningful to you and you show interest in that, then it's going to build rapport and uh, it's going to be the sort of thing where, you know, they will be happier there. And another thing that the study showed was that in places where agents used words like uh, family-like atmosphere or, you know, the, uh, the people care about each other here, those are the places where um, turnover tends to be lower and satisfaction tends to be higher. So I think those things that you were talking about are, are just very, very important. And uh, managers and supervisors can sort of uh, peel the onion, think about their own situations and say, okay, how can I be more effective uh, and uh, you know, more genuine and a better mentor to, to the people here? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the uh, the importance of the supervisor as a role model cannot be under underestimated. Uh, the behavior of the supervisor then has a ripple effect on the rep. So there's, you know, situations in which a, a supervisor is, is stressed out and, can, you know, everyone can tell that they're <laughs> – they're really on on edge. That tends to have a ripple effect, and I like to call that the mother mother duck uh, syndrome. So, if you can imagine a, a mother duck and a bunch of baby ducks, and the mother duck is debating whether or not to go across the road, and if the if the mother duck doesn't look pr- particularly confident, you know those little little ducks behind her are not going to necessarily follow. So, we need to have supervisors who really really love what they do, but then also are able to motivate others just by the mood that they're in. And I think a lot of times we don't realize 
how transparent our moods really are. So that's just a little thing that I picked up along the way that might be helpful. Yeah, no, I like the mother duck syndrome. And it, it is true. Uh, someone once said, leadership is never having an off day. Wow, that is yep. a uh, tough <laughs> t- <laughs> That's kind Even of a high you barrier. Are. <laughs> Even though you are. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and, and, you know, it's probably something to talk to supervisors about, too. I mean, just how they need to sort of uh, maintain, uh, you know, an on day, even when it's very tough to do so. And, and there are techniques for doing that. So uh, anyway, that, that's great. We, you know, we're getting to the point where we should be asking, getting questions from the audience. So what I'd like to do is to turn things back over to Brian so that he can uh, ask some questions from the audience. Sounds good. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, that The switchboard has been lighting up, and it's all the same question. Uh, with your books, Napkin, The Melon, and The Monkey, The Monkey, The Moon, and The Maybe, Everyone's wondering, who's the monkey, and is there any connection to Curious George? (laughs) (laughs) I do have a fondness for monkeys. Well, actually, the books are a collection of of fables. So it's about a service rep who gets advice from her mentor, who is this uh, wise woman in the contact center. And instead of giving her direct advice, she tells her stories. These are Buddhist teaching stories that I've repurposed. And one of the stories is about a monkey. So that's really where it came from. Uh, And Ah. I won't go into the story, but that's where it came from. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people will be happy to hear that. <laughs> okay. Um, some other questions, though, too. <laughs> this one is from Lucy, and uh, Lucy's asking, if the rep is supposed to focus on the quality of the experience the customer has with the rep, what happens if they notice that the rep made a serious error, like got an order wrong? Does the supervisor just look the other way? Oh, that's a great that's a great question. So one of the things that we do in intentional coaching is we have the supervisor. They're called it's called scooting. So they go up and they jack in on a call, and then they ask the rep to um, to critique the call themselves, but do it from the perspective of the customer. What did you do within that conversation that made the customer feel valued? So that's the first part of the conversation. And it's so interesting how supervisors just have to zip it because they they want to talk about the transaction part, and that's a real challenge. And to Lucy's question, it's important, obviously, if there's an error or there's some mission-critical issue that the uh, that the rep missed, that you take that up, of course, but you do that second. And, again, that sends a signal that what's most important is this relationship and not that the transaction doesn't have to be correct, but let's separate those two things out. That sounds good. I uh, I don't have anything to add to that, Brian. I think we can go on to the next question. That's great. Okay. Yeah, good answer there. So from Stacy, I'm in QA, and right now we focus on how the reps did in terms of the transaction and whether they followed the contact handling process. So if we did implement intentional coaching how would that impact our QA criteria? Ah, yes, yes. Really what we're talking about is a shift in focus from the transaction to the customer relationship. So that implies that more attention on QA needs to be on behaviors that relate to creating the best possible customer experience, making that customer feel valued. 
So uh, what we find is if you do intentional coaching or use this approach of getting away from just focusing on the transaction, that you do have to modify your QA. And what we're seeing in terms of trends is that QA, we used to have a list of 25 different behaviors that reps had to demonstrate in 628 seconds, which which we realized <laughs> is really not a great idea. So now we're working on, on really specific behaviors, which again brings in that supervisor to use their skill and communication uh, process to be able to help the rep communicate differently. So, yeah, there's a lot of changes going on, as you can imagine, when you shift over from transactions to relationships. Everything, there's a big ripple effect, I think, in how everyone approaches the conversation with customers. Yeah, I think that to add to that, the whole idea of customer experience, which is where everybody is focused right now, uh, takes into account the emotional impact of communication and uh, tries to make sure that the recipient of the communication from the call center is perceiving it in a positive way. And if you're going to do that, then the uh, sender has to be more emotionally aware. Mm -hmm. uh, and part of the whole training that goes on there, which, which in many cases can be a real eye-opener for the agents and for the supervisors, is, okay, think about the impact that you're having. And you may not always know what it's going to be, but if you have your antennae up to it, you know, raised up to it more, you're going to get better over time with, uh, with that, and you're going to, in fact, be able to provide a better emotional experience. And uh, what oftentimes happens, too, is that people will come back and they'll say, you know what, this uh, added training or this added dimension to, you know, what I'm doing has helped me in my personal life as well, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that comes through. In your, your fables also, uh, uh, Barbara, that, uh, you know, these are techniques that are very, very important for customer experience, but they're also uh, sort of life lessons as well. Yeah, I think you've hit on one of the key aspects to the, the stories is that this idea about being mindful, about being in the moment, not judging, being able to really be present for the customer and then if you do have a, have a con conflict potential situation, emotionally charged situation, that you have what I call, what, what the book calls soda. And so that's how to be mindful. And so the formula goes like this. You stop and then you observe the situation for what it is, i.e. the customer is not angry at you, they're just angry about their situation, and then you decide on the best solution, and then you act with confidence. So it's S-O-D-A, and anybody can use this. And what we find is that not only do the reps use it in their calls with their customers, but they use it with each other, and they use it at home, and supervisors use it as well. So uh, I think mindfulness is becoming more and more uh, important idea within contact centers and how they communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, we're doing some uh, studies, too, with regard to what we call semantic systems, which is which words have what effects on people and how can that be uh, understood better by agents and by supervisors so that um, the communication skills actually get uh, kicked up a notch. And uh, it gets a little bit technical, but it's really, really fascinating stuff because it really connects to the, uh, the way people think and the way people feel. So with that, why don't we go to uh, another question from, uh, from, from Brian. 
Perfect. This one comes from Paul. Uh, and uh, it's a little bit long, but here we go. I think we need trained supervisors to coach differently, as I'm hearing you say. But what about training the agents? We've had so much growth, we are adding 25 to 30 agents every month. We need to get them up to speed fast so we don't give them the soft skills training they need to be able to create the great customer experiences we are looking for. Ah, Paul has hit the nail on the head. It is astonishing, and this might be something that happens on, on in your shop, uh, those of you out there, is that there's such a concern to get the reps up to speed as quickly as possible. So often the new hire training is focused on systems and transaction handling and all of the technical part of the of the job. And it's kind of, I like to use the analogy of a bicycle. You know, in order to move forward, you need both wheels. And the rear wheel is the technical part. And the front wheel, the wheel that steers the bike, is actually those people skills. So that's why I developed these short micro-learnings uh, for agents. Uh, and they, are, they teach communication skills. But what we're finding is that bite-sized learning delivered, and, and you can, and everyone out there can do something like this, these bite-sized learnings are really important to millennials and people who are used to uh, looking at videos in order to learn. And the days of having a long classroom training on soft skills, um, I, I'm afraid, is, is in the past. So now we're looking at delivering that same experience, but doing it in a different way with a different, the same message, but doing it in a different way that people actually will absorb. And so that's why microlearnings is becoming really, really uh, an exciting area to pursue, and that's one of the reasons that I'm developing my videos, because I saw exactly what Paul's talking about, is we just don't give people the, the kind of training that they need in soft skills that will help them have a great customer experience. So that's, that's right on. Yeah, when you think about coaching, too, coaching oftentimes will end up focusing uh, you don't want to sort of uh, focus on the world. You've got to focus on certain things. And then if you're able to give uh, the agent something to actually work on and give them uh, some training that will help them on that specific thing, then it's, it's uh, targeted, useful, timely, all that kind of good stuff, which is so important, uh, particularly with today's, uh, today's workers. So, well, listen, uh, Barbara, this has been great. I want to thank you so much for your insights. Uh, the half hour really is just uh, scooted by, right? <laughs> just scooted <laughs> on by. <laughs> and uh, if anyone who's listening is interested in intentional coaching training for supervisor workshops, you can contact ba Barbara via her website at barbaraburke.com. And uh, I, I want to thank you again, Barbara. It was great to have you on and uh, just wonderful insights. So uh, I'll give you the last word. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, I... Uh... I enjoyed this, and, you know, anything we can do, and I, this is just the last thought for all of you leaders out there, is that, you know, try to be more authentic. Try to be more more connected to your people, and you will find that they will perform much better. And it's kind of one of those Maya Angelou quotes that, you know, the only reason that well, I'm not going to care unless I know that you care. And so I think that that's don't be afraid to be authentic would be my message. So thank you. Oh. That's great. Great message. Great message. So with that, again, thank you, and we'll uh, turn things over to Brian to wrap things up. All right. Thanks, Bruce, and uh, thanks, Barbara, for monkeying around with us on the show today. <laughs> Had to get one more in. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Great show, you guys. Thank you very much for all that. And uh, so all of us, uh, for all you folks out there listening, uh, make sure to join us next month. We'll have another great show right here on Call Talk. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have all these great shows that are set up for you to watch anytime you want on our website, BenchmarkPortal.com. So from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready, my friends. Take care. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.